Welcome back to another episode of Abbott Burns Movies. I'm Eric Abbott, and with me is Jason, stuck in the middle with you, Burns. How you doing, Jason? Pretty good. I'm I'm glad to be stuck in the middle with you. Yeah? yeah. <laughs> stuck in the middle with our listeners? Stuck in the middle with me? Yes. Hopefully not stuck in the middle of a Quentin Tarantino room oh, ever. Oh, dear God, yeah. What a nightmare. Well, let me just say, we have an incredible episode for you today. Um, so I'm, I'm happy that for those of you who have returned to listen to our show, welcome back. And for those who are new, um, just welcome then, I guess, uh, Jason, do you, (laughs) (laughs) Jason, do you want to, uh, you want to give him an idea of what it is we do here? Yeah. So, uh, oh, it's been a little bit since I've had to give the spiel, but what we do is we take the movies you, our listeners, suggest. We watch them, we review them, we spoil them, uh, we break them down scene by scene, and hopefully we do that in at least a somewhat comedic fashion. Uh, so we can't do this without you sending us suggestions, so do that. Yeah, send us suggestions. Movies. You can find us on Facebook, on our Facebook page. Uh, you can also find uh, just send us an email at abbottburnsmovies at gmail.com. Um, I'd like to give another thank you to Nick for coming on the last episode. That was a that was a great episode. It was a good time. Uh, got some insight to one of our listeners and why he chose a couple of the movies that he sent us. Um, if you haven't listened to it already, you should go back and check it out. It's a good one. Uh, so what we're watching, sorry, what we're reviewing this week is Reservoir Dogs and The Incredibles. So I think we're going to start with The Incredibles and... Then we'll move into Reservoir Dogs, uh, because that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, so uh, just kind of the normal spiel about the movies. The uh, Incredibles is 2004 PG movie, and Reservoir Dogs is uh, 1992, rated R. Um, if you didn't hear the end of the episode last time, the reason why these are kind of together is because we had done a previous Quentin Tarantino with a Pixar movie, so doing it again i guess yeah classic matchup quentin tarantino and disney slash or pixar movie yeah so anyways we'll start out with kind of just giving you an idea of what this movie's about if, if you haven't watched it um it's essentially uh the disney version of the fantastic four uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the best <laughs> where the thing is mr incredible yeah exactly uh basically you have this um kind of feels like the golden age of superheroes uh this uh, mr incredible ends up marrying uh elastigirl um and around this time that they do this there's a ban on superheroes um so they can no longer publicly be superheroes anymore like they have to go into hiding and quit being superheroes uh and they have a family you know it's like 15 years has passed i think they have uh three kids and Mr. Incredible just has like a normal job. Uh, I think he's like an ins- uh, insurance agent, I guess is what he is. Yeah, yeah. He's a claims agent is the impression I got. And yeah. He's supposed to deny everyone's claims. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, really hates his job, which, uh, I mean, geez, if you were superhuman and you're doing like a mundane desk job, wow, how miserable would that be, right? Uh, so, right. yeah. So anyways, he... Um, kind of you know does a bit of bit of heroics uh here and there in secret uh, without his wife knowing um and ends up getting basically recruited uh by some 
mysterious benefactor to do you know do some missions and take out a robot at the, at the beginning and i think i kind of got the impression that he probably did some other missions too in between there yeah yeah doing that and he also lost his job in the meantime yeah yeah he uh he you know tries to kill his boss so i yeah. mean that's that's one thing about uh these movies is you start to realize as an adult or these movies this movie in particular you realize as an adult like some of the craziness that happens yeah i mean i like it though I, it kind of shows like i mean if you think about it this is a guy with incredible super strength that has done a lot of great deeds in his life and he's resorted to um you know, like I said before, kind of like a mundane desk job. And wow, how difficult would that be to to be like, yeah, I had this just great, like I did great things and now I'm like just like a regular guy now. And then I have to also uh, submit to uh, a really shitty boss uh, who is uh, trying to like dominate you basically when you know you could just snap him in half. Right. Yeah. Also, too, the voice I mean, is—I I bet you feel all the time. So. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's so tough. Uh, but uh, but also, the voice of his boss is is, is done by was this Wallace Shawn? Is that his name? He's the guy who's like from—I mean, most people would famously know him from uh, *Princess Bride*. Oh yeah, yeah. It took me a second. I was like, "For *Princess Bride*," and then I realized it's the inconceivable. Yeah, inconceivable. Yeah, so he's he's in it, which I always like. I always like him to be, you know, I like he's got a very recognizable voice, and uh, I don't know, he's just he's just a funny guy to hear, so that's enjoyable. And then did we mention that? I mean, Samuel L. Jackson's in this as well. Is that did you mention that before? Um, maybe before we started recording, I mentioned it. I don't know yeah. that I mentioned it since. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, yeah, Samuel L. Jackson's in it as well. Um, as uh as like kind of uh, well superhero too but like an old friend basically of of mr incredibles um also craig t nelson is in this as mr incredible um you might know him from wasn't he in coach the tv show coach Coach? yeah also uh poltergeist he's famously known for and you know what like i feel like I like it when when they have an animated film, they kind of make the character look like the person who's doing the voice, and I kind of feel like his face matches up a bit with uh with Mr. Incredible. Yeah, I agree. I I think uh I think it kind of helps with the voice matching it cuz I mean, you know yeah, that true. voice matches the person who's who's, you know, actually voicing it. So when you do it as the uh animation it doesn't feel like it's a weird voice you know not for that character yeah and um speaking of a weird voice elastigirl's voice i found uh a little bizarre at times um does it kind of sound like to you do you do you recall her kind of sounding as if she has like spit in her mouth when she talks like she kind of talked like this I, I don't know that I got that, but I felt like her voice sounds a lot older than she looks. Well, that's that's a lot of a lot of like comic book or, or you know uh, superhero characters. They always make them look younger than, than what their real age is supposed to be. You know, you don't want you don't want like an old some old biddy on there doing heroics. <laughs> but uh, but no, I yeah, she kind of like I noticed early on she kind of. Um, 
just kind of had a weird, like a weird voice to her. And she'd be like, come on, Bob. Like, <laughs> I might be exaggerated a little bit, but but it just sounded that like That's actually this. pretty accurate. It's kind of weird. Did you actually voice that character? <laughs> oh, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> I wish uh, that would be that would be uh, quite a side job doing some voice acting for some major motion pictures. Also, you know, it's it's important to know, as most people probably know that are listening to this, but there's a sequel just recently came out as well. Um, so it's kind of good timing to be to be kind of reviewing this um, this movie. It might have been a little bit better timing if we could have done it maybe right before The Incredibles two released. But but what to do? We don't have a time machine yet. So hey, you know what? If we're a little late, no big deal. That movie was 14 years late. Yeah, true. That is true. Wow. Yeah. That's dating this <laughs> quite a bit. Let's kind of dig into um, some of our critiquing, our reviewing on this. Uh, how did you feel? Uh, kind of initial thoughts on it. Lingering thoughts. So I guess when I saw it originally 14 years ago, I liked it. It was a good superhero movie. You kind of notice, like you had said, there's a lot of correlations to other superheroes, um, almost to the point of like blatant ripoffs. Um, You know, Mr. Fantastic is uh, Mr. Incredible, which is kind of backwards, but Elastigirl Mm -hmm. has Mr. Fantastic's powers, and uh, their daughter has Invisible Woman's powers, and you know, it's a lot of a lot of similarities there. I feel, yeah. Even when you kind of look at the the poster cover for it, um, it does. I mean, obviously, there's a correlations between the family being like uh, the Fantastic Four, um, but also even like what's his name, Frozone. Frozone, I think, is the friend Samuel L. Jackson's uh-huh. character. It kind of looks like the Silver Surfer kind of flying in the background. <laughs> so, oh, that's true. Yeah, I kind of felt like they did have some some correlations there. Obviously, but I mean, to be fair, like it's kind of hard not to these days. It, it's not easy to come up with an original superpower, I feel. No, oh, oh, I agree. I agree. Sorry, I was yawning there. Yeah, no worries. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you were talking. It made me tired. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm used to that. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I agree. It, it is probably kind of difficult, but uh, I think it, overall, I mean, it was good. It, they, they had the uh, the family dynamic there, the trying to mm-hmm. to hide your powers and um i don't know if you remember so the beginning of the movie they won't let uh um what's his name the, the speed kid. dash oh, gosh dash dash i kept wanting to say flash i'm like that's no that's who he's based <laughs> off of yeah. loosely very very loosely yeah uh-huh sure anyway uh they won't let him do sports because obviously he would be amazing at it mm-hmm. and then at the end of the movie they're like ah you know what you could try out for track. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, that's what he loves. He loves to be fast and running. And I, I actually really <laughs> loved the the ending scene where he is racing the other kids. And he like, they do a good job at making him look so smug. Like when the race oh, first, yeah. st- first starts and all the kids are kind of passing him. And he's just like kind of looking around at them like, yeah, okay, amateurs get ready for this kind of thing. I'm just, I'm not ready to, you know, let loose kind of, kind of thing. And then to have like, to have like his family in the stands cheering and then being like, Oh no, no, too fast, too fast. Slow down, slow down. Just, you know, just, just win, just win by a little bit. Just uh, make it close, make it close. And then another dad sitting next to Mr. Incredible, like what the 
hell are they talking about? Like, <laughs> I just really enjoyed that. And I think it's, that's actually brings up another good point. <clears throat> so there's, it's only been 15 years, like you said, since superheroes have been gone. Like, everyone who's alive who's older than, I don't know, 10, remembers superheroes. Yeah. So when you see things like, they can't explain it. Like, when uh, when he puts the thumbtack on the teacher's chair, and yeah. the teacher's like, I can't explain how he does it, I just know how he does I know he does it. Well, superheroes were pretty common when you were younger, so why couldn't you just be like, he's one of them. He's one of the supers. He's doing this. Yeah. Yeah, I think the, I think the problem with that is that he had no evidence at all. Uh, like the vi- <laughs> I, I enjoyed it, like the video where he's like, see, he moved. He did it. Somehow he did it. And it was like you couldn't really see any movement at all. Right. Yeah. And he also did sound crazy, which uh, didn't help. Uh but but you're kind of right though in that i mean people know that these superheroes exist they're around what i kind kind of find funny is that like just because you outlaw like you're like okay superheroes you can no longer do any like vigilante justice or whatever doesn't mean the supervillains are going to stop and isn't that kind of the point of the superheroes is that you have this force that normal people are not equipped to combat just because you like and then you take away that force well or sorry you take away the people who can combat it the force is still going to be there like the the villains are still going to be there doing their doing their thing yeah but i think you you don't really see any super villains like, I don't know if you noticed that. You don't see any supervillains at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Like, he stops one dude who's just running around with bombs, which is just a normal guy. Yeah. He, you know, he, that was the only villain, air quotes again, uh, that you really see in the movie until Syndrome. And then he's not really super. He just technologically advanced. He's evil Iron Man. Yeah, well, that's true. And then you have the guy at the end who pops up, um, the mole man guy. I mean, maybe it's like a, um, well, you know, I mentioned before, it was kind of like the golden age of superheroes. Maybe that's it. It's kind of like the this early period of people having superpowers and all of them just happen to be good. Or there's so many superheroes, the supervillains are kind of like, eh, yeah, I don't want to get involved. Yeah, exactly. What's the point? <laughs> We're going to get destroyed. They definitely outnumber us. But yeah, I, I mean, it's, uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, maybe, maybe that's the point of the, I haven't seen the second one, but maybe that's kind of the narrative. Uh, even looking at the end of this movie is like, yeah, like it was easy for them before because they were just basically beating up muggers and and uh just regular just regular criminals nothing spectacular i mean there was the what was this bomb voyage the french bomber guy that he beats up at the beginning yeah i mean but he's not a superhero he just has some bombs on him and he's just robbing a place but maybe that's like what's caused them to kind of come back in the second one which i haven't seen but then at the end of this one where it's like okay it's kind of okay for you guys to do what you did because this was a threat that the military and the government couldn't handle and that may be a more common thing now so i have seen it i don't know if we want to discuss that though maybe just briefly so the the beginning they get in trouble because they do try to stop the mole people Uh, and 
the movie is basically about trying to get supers the ability to be super again. Oh, okay. Okay. So that's pretty much the the, the short and long of the movie. Well, there you go. But uh, okay, well let's let's shift back and kind of talk about the things we did and didn't like about this one. I mean, we got a little deep about the made up history of it here. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> let me, let me kind of say like one of the things I did really enjoy, um, was the depiction of the villain syndrome, like how he is kind of, I don't know, not, not, not attractive by any means, not, uh, he doesn't really look like he's in shape. There's nothing really appealing about him other than that. He obviously has a lot of money and he has some gadgets and a volcano item island hideout and yet he has a super hot secretary well she's attracted to power <laughs> as she says um which is why she quickly starts to show some interest in mr incredible i feel even though yeah yeah she does yeah even though he almost snapped her like a toothpick yeah but that was uh, it was kind of a a weird a weird relationship between those two also uh, so like to kind of get a little deep into like what's going on, like this midlife crisis that Mr. Incredible has, you know, like it, it's kind of like this problem in their marriage between him and Elastigirl where he's just kind of checked out and the family, he is not fulfilled. He's, you know, as we mentioned working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know about, <laughs> I mean, I don't know about in the bedroom, but, but professionally, definitely not. Uh, but it just seems like he is, he just, he's just going through the rhythms and you see like he's not paying attention to what the kids are talking about and stuff. And he's just detached. And it's not until he starts doing his heroics again that he starts being engaged with the family. Uh, and seems like he's, uh, revigor, like invigorated again, but, <laughs> but something kind of funny. So the, the first time he goes to meet with Mirage, um, and he fights the robot and they have dinner and stuff. And they're on this like tropical volcanic island and everything. And uh, they're kind of flirting a little bit. Did you notice that? Yeah. And that's kind of, it's almost that, like you said, that midlife crisis for him where he doesn't feel needed or wanted. Now he gets both sides of that. He feels needed because he needs to be a superhero, but he also feels wanted by some hot chick who... Yeah, who's probably younger than his wife. If we're kind of like pinning it down that she... I don't know, I kind of get the feeling she's probably the same age as Syndrome, who was a kid 15 years before. So maybe she's like, I don't know, at 30 or something. But yeah, as you're saying, now he's getting that attention from these people. Uh, That he's not really getting prior... Uh, so it's kind of like he's reliving that glory days of being a superhero and having people want him and uh, and then also being able to indulge in heroics as well. So so let me ask you this, Jason. Um, after okay. the, after that dinner, after the dinner that he had and the flirting, do you think they uh, you think they hooked up? <laughs> Based on it being a Disney uh, kids movie, I'm gonna go with no. Yeah, but the subtext the subtext or subsext there is uh, pretty. Uh, pretty thick if you know what i'm saying i think you want it to be but uh, again <laughs> we don't take porn uh suggestions so oh. <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure there are some independently uh produced um pieces of work out there that elaborate on that after dinner scene <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but this isn't that kind of podcast, so we'll leave that alone. <laughs> I'm going to stop bringing up the topic that I brought up. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to backpedal here. Um, let's make a little room while I do some backpedaling. Yeah, I, I think that's actually kind of interesting, though, that as we were saying, like him dealing with this, uh, I guess it's a midlife crisis. And in a very, well, I mean, in the only way that I can imagine a superhero would is going out right. and kicking some ass uh, and doing the whole superhero thing again. Um, and he even does buy a nice sports car at one time. So he kind of falls into that, too. Yeah. Well, and it's it's kind of funny how you, you see he could easily become the villain there because of oh, how yeah. upset he is with everything. But you even see him at one point. He captures the uh, the assistant Mirage, and is like, "I'm gonna snap her like a twig if you don't release me." And Syndrome's like, "Do it. You you know you're not going to. We know you're not going to. You're a superhero." Yeah. And it's like, "Oh, yep, you called my bluff." And Syndrome, I think, I don't think he would have cared if he if he would have killed her or not. He wasn't gonna let him free. Yeah, he definitely uh, definitely was in the doghouse after that. Yeah, I can't say that I would be the uh, bigger man in that that scenario. I probably would have went insane. Uh, I think most people probably would have if you just thought your family, your entire family was killed um, and you have superhuman right. powers and the guy who's responsible for it is right in front of you and you have his uh, assistant who is also part of the, what, you know, this, this uh, group. Yeah, I don't think I don't think too many of us would be like, ah, no, what's the point kind of thing. I think most of us would be like, vengeance. Um, you know, quit quit putting me in your box, man. I'm just saying. No. <laughs> no, you don't think you don't <laughs> think you'd step up to the old revenge plate, huh? I mean, not on somebody who I mean, syndrome, yes, most likely. Yeah. But the girl who has been mostly pretty nice to him and she seems legitimately like upset at that point that about his family yeah that's true she did seem a bit upset maybe i win you lose may i don't know maybe i would hold back <laughs> maybe i lose yeah hey we, we, we won't know until we're in the scenario so <laughs> hopefully it never happens yeah. if any of our listeners have ever been in a scenario where their super what? <laughs> where their, where their superhero family has been uh shot down by a villain um with uh, missiles and they were in a situation where they could get revenge let us know how you responded to that and uh whether or not you took the high road or the dirty <laughs> low road the dirty low road um because we'd love to hear. So moving on from that, some some something else I really enjoyed while watching this. So the last about half an hour of this movie, I watched with headphones on, and I gotta say, I really love the sound of Dash running, like his little feet noise. It just it just makes me smile a little bit. Um. I mean, I know what you're talking about, but I, I I didn't get the excitement from it that you did. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it was. It's just that sound is just it just was kind of funny to me. Just enjoyed hearing the little as he's running around. I'm not doing the sound justice. Like the idea, you you like the pitter patter of little feet? Is that what it is? Oh, jeez. Yeah, I guess so. It's like when you it's it's like when you hear like a cat run run across a wood floor. 
you know. If you, Normally, if you're that's funny the because the cat slides. Well, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, that's enjoyable. It's like going to a NASCAR race, and you're like, yeah. I mean, it's great watching these people <laughs> race, but one of these cars wipes out. It's gonna really make my. And no day. one gets hurt. Yeah, and no one gets yeah, hurt. Yeah, nope. but I'm not saying I want somebody to get hurt. I'm not saying that at all. That's tragic. <laughs> but you know, just like a tire to flip off into the air, you know, sixty or seventy feet would be cool to see, uh, as long as it doesn't land on anybody. <laughs> that uh, was that Dane Dane Cook's joke where oh. a tire hit her in the face. <laughs> oh yeah, jeez, I don't. It's been years since I've since I've watched his stand up. I did enjoy it when I watched it, though. Maybe I'll come back to it at some point. But, yeah, I don't know what to say now. (laughs) (laughs) I got you so off track that you're just completely done. You're like, okay, what are we rating this movie? I'm done. Dane Cook is now in my mind, and it's shutting down. Um, Yeah, you really threw me off with that. So so did his career, so... Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with him these days. He doesn't, uh, he don't really keep in touch like we used to. Yeah. He doesn't call. He doesn't write. Yeah. No email. No fax. Yeah. He doesn't make any suggestions on what movies we should watch. Ugh. Just friends. Yeah. Barely. Wait, that wasn't him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Barely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Waiting. That waiting. One. Um, uh, employee one, of the month. Yeah, I was ready to say there's one in a store. Employee of the month. That's it. There's one with uh, Jessica Alba, which I may or may not have a little bit of a crush on. Well, that's like eighty percent of heterosexual men in the men. world. I think so. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah. So it's a big club to be a part yeah, of. Yeah, and it's kind of hard to, you know, it's kind of hard to crack that shell cuz I mean, she's married, has like 3 kids. Yeah. Doesn't really act anymore cuz she owns the Honest Company. What is that? Honestly. Oh, you really don't know? Honestly, it is a company that she founded because she <clears throat> when she had her daughter, I'm going to cough. Hold on. <clears throat> Let it out. Uh Sorry, I was trying to move away from the mic. Um she didn't like that a lot of the ingredients and stuff for child products were not on there. And if they were, they were chemicals and stuff. So she oh, wow. started a company to just simple, like honest ingredients and all that fun stuff. Well, wow, that's terrifying that the, that there's uh, child products like that, that don't have the ingredients on them. Well, because we all know that big corporations have our best interest in mind. Uh, they would never put anything and I mean, harmful. I may not be 100% accurate on that. It's just from memory when she started this company like 10 years ago. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. I won't hold you to your memory from 10 years ago about some obscure... So, somebody listening will be like, yeah. you're wrong! <laughs> some obscure uh, fact from I don't know when. Yeah, so anyways... Let's Google it. Anyway, yeah, let's actually... Let's talk about The Incredibles. So The Incredibles... Um. What else can Incredible we say? Incredible, 14 years ago. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of bad because I'm running out of things to say about them. But the reality is, I mean, I actually like this movie. Uh, I think as like a superhero movie, it's actually pretty good. Uh, oh, I like, agree. Like it really does wear that badge pretty well of being 
just a good superhero movie and not to mention just like a good kids movie and slash adults can enjoy it and uh and um pixar disney movie um it's it's good it's pretty solid do you think that maybe they could get away with i just thought of this uh maybe they can get i'm not sure yeah uh they can get away with having kind of yeah sorry there's so many thoughts (laughs) just popped into my mind i i I washed dang cook out of my mind so now all my thoughts came rushing back um, <laughs> at the same time, it was just a tsunami of thoughts. So do you think that they were able to get away with doing these, uh, fantastic four knockoffs because Disney owns Marvel, but I, I can't remember if Disney bought Marvel after this movie came out though. That's the only thing I'm not certain about. Um, I don't know. I, Again, I mean, as long as you're not keeping the same name and yeah. the exact same power and the same story, I doubt there was a problem. Yeah, there. exactly. I think you're right about that. I mean, as long as the name isn't too close, uh, I think I think we're okay. And by we, yeah, I mean them. Yeah. And there was five, so there wasn't just four. Right? Yeah, yeah, true. Because Jack, Jack. Yeah, but Jack, Jack does flame on at the end for a moment, so. Yeah, he flame-ons, turns into a monster. Yeah. All kinds of stuff. Yeah, he's a little badass. But it does kind of seem like, I mean, maybe that's the reason there's Dash and not like a torch, human torch character at the end, or a part of the family, is because they were like, eh, we need to have just one person different here in this in this four this four person team. Yeah, we can't we can't be that. Yeah. We got to slightly change it a bit and they did ever so slightly change it i don't know i don't know what else to say about this movie um any other points that you want to make on this or not really i was trying to think of a particular scene but i think i touched on most of the ones that uh that i really I, i i liked um i mean there's a lot of character development that we really didn't touch on yeah between you know, like we talked about Mr. Incredible and how he kind of changes throughout the movie. Elastigirl, yeah. I think, changes too as far as not being as, uh, like, reserved, trying to just... She's just trying to hold her family together in the beginning, and then I think at the end, she's like, you know what, we are supers, let's do this crap. And, you know, Violet likes to be hidden and be invisible, and by the end of the movie, she's talking to the the boy. She's actually so, cool. Yeah, yeah. Dash can actually go out for sports. One moment I really liked in it was when you see Elastigirl and Mr. Incredible uh, save the kids uh, when they first meet up with the kids and they like as a team take out all these uh, like flying uh, Mm. saw machines. Um, Like it was such a cool moment of like the kids being able to see their parents as superheroes instead of as just their parents and being like, damn, like our parents are pretty awesome at this. Um, they just effortlessly beat the crap out of these people that we were struggling to just try and not get killed by. Um, right. I thought that was a cool moment. Uh, and, and, and just like a, I don't know, just kind of a cool family moment. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think it shows kind of a little bit more respect from the kids at that point, because it's like, you guys are supers and you just tell us never to do anything. And then it's like, Oh, now you're saying we could do stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, uh, which is awesome. I mean, it's what everyone watching the show is asking for. 
just show us some superpowers, damn it. I've had enough of you just doing boring stuff. Vacuum <laughs> in the house. Nobody cares about that. Want to see a so, uh, slingshot of on that sewer note. lid? <laughs> so on that note, what uh, what do you think rating-wise? Um, I'm going to give this one a four. Oh, going with the four. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think I'd agree. I mean... Overall, I mean, it's like we said, it's it's a pretty good movie. I, I'll I'll go with the four as well. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was it is a good movie. I mean, it was a solid movie. Um, it's one that I had seen before, and I didn't really have a problem watching it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, spoiler alert: um, <laughs> I like that Syndrome dies at the end because of his damn cape too. Uh, yeah, that that's a good callback at that point to the earlier part of the movie. No capes! <laughs> no capes! And, uh, you know, hey, this dude was dumb. He had a cape. He didn't have the best costume designer in the world design his costume. Yeah, it was such a dick, too. Um, but I just, I'm, I was actually, I forgot that he died at the end until I watched it again. And, I mean, I haven't seen the new movie, so maybe he didn't die. And... If anybody knows anything about comics, you know that like uh, characters can always come back in comics, and this is kind of what this is. Yeah. It's like a comic book uh, movie, but but still, I was kind of like, oh damn, okay, this this guy just got sucked into a turbine. Um, that's a bit dark, but he totally deserves that. Also, yeah. if I if I could if I could give a complaint. Um, I would have liked to have known if Mirage had any powers. I mean, she has a badass name. She should be able to do something. She's terribly mysterious. Yeah, well, that's true. And she's got a big <laughs> Bratz doll head, but... <laughs> but, uh... And a pencil-thin body. Yeah, maybe that is her power. She's like, I look like an olive on a toothpick, and people want to <laughs> drink martinis around me. All right. <laughs> That's a pretty good superpower, I guess. I mean, to make people want to drink martinis? Uh, I mean, good solid day at work will make me want to do that. Yeah, I know. It's either it's either you're just like, oh, geez, this person, I got to get drunk to hang out with this person. Or you're like, every, <laughs> every time I'm around this person, I feel like James Bond. Um, so. Shake it, not yeah. stirred. Yeah. Give me that Vespa or Vesper, Vesper, Vespa is a is a moped. Um, so moving on to uh, Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. So, anyways, Reservoir Dogs. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, um, Quentin Tarantino movie, as we may have mentioned, I believe was this his first movie? I think it was right. His first movie he directed uh, ooh, or wrote. I. I don't know, honestly. Hold on, let me let me look up. I don't think it is, but maybe it is. I thought it um, was first movie. First Quentin Tarantino film. Googling it. Hold on. My best friend's birthday. Um, we're gonna pretend like that, so, that didn't happen. Just like Quentin Tarantino probably pretends like it didn't happen. Um. <laughs> But did he write it? Um, he wrote that? Quentin Tarantino co-wrote and directed his first movie, My Best Friend's Birthday, in 1987. Oh. Uh, 
then it looks like Reservoir Dogs was 92. That yeah. would have been his second one. Maybe that first one was like so. a student film or something, but let's just say that this is the beginning of his film career right here uh, in the spotlight. Uh, yeah, but, you know, maybe that's unfair. We haven't seen this other movie, or at least I haven't. Maybe it is good. Yeah. But probably not. Yeah. Yeah, so according to Wikipedia, it is his first one that he did by himself. So. Uh, okay. Okay. There we go. So that. That one. That's what it is. All so right. that. Yeah. So, um, let's give a little backstory on this. Uh, you want to take this, or you want me to lead in? Um, I can. So it's basically these uh, these criminals uh, are hired to do a job. Uh, things don't go well, and it's kind of about um, their reaction to it not going well. So, I mean, most of the time you see the uh, these kind of movies are all about the planning of the heist mm-hmm. and the heist and how that what they do in the heist. This movie is. Very little to do with the planning, very little to do with the heist itself. 99% of it is what happens after the heist goes wrong. Yep. And um, I think I've said this before on the show. I'm not a big fan of heist movies. This does not feel, I mean, this is not a heist movie to me. This is, as you said, this is, this is after the heist and what happened when it went wrong and what a ride. Um, Yeah. So um i i said this in my notes um oh i didn't get to say that in the last two episodes my notes i'm (laughs) I'm a little upset about that anyway so i said this in my notes uh, i kind of like this round table discussion at the very beginning of the movie because you're this is before the heist it's right before it you see how these people are all interacting and you get a lot of characterization within this first couple minutes before anything hits the fan and then mm-hmm. things hit the fan. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of um, humanizes them, I guess, uh, a little bit at the beginning. And this, I mean, this movie is just, I feel like, full of like little hints of things that are going to happen and foreshadowing. Um, I mean, it is just littered with it. I mean, Quentin Tarantino. I mean, he's he's really good at at, uh, at being subtle with some of his uh, storytelling. Yeah, and I think so. One of the first things I noticed, and and again, I had seen this movie before. Uh, it had been oh gosh, probably ten fifteen years ago since I had seen this movie. But um, one thing that I noticed right from the beginning: so you got Mr. Pink, who is Steve Buscemi, sitting there talking about how he doesn't want to tip this waitress. And then you get Tim Roth, who's playing Mr. Orange. He jumps on that bandwagon. And that's that first characterization where he's trying to fit in. And it makes a lot more sense later in the movie. Oh, yeah. Because he's he, he is the whole time he's trying to fit in because he's actually, spoiler alert, an undercover cop. Mm-hmm. And it's you don't see that at the beginning. You just kind of see him go no, I don't want to tip either. And everybody else is like, the fuck you, dude. You're, everyone's tipping. Put your money in. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I really enjoyed that too. I mean, just as you said, it's, it's given a hint to his character of him, like 
he's trying to fit in, like you said, he, and he doesn't really, he's trying to be the criminal, you know? Um, and this movie is just full of that, uh, little hints to him being the, uh, him being the mole, him being the undercover cop. Um, I don't know if you caught this. Uh, I actually just randomly read it someplace. I didn't even see it, um, which I don't think most people would catch it, but that one of the early scenes, um, after they're, they come back from the heist, um, Tim Roth is bleeding out because he took a bullet to the gut. And is it uh, oh, Mr. White and Mr. Pink are in the, oh, like a, it looks like a bathroom, but I don't think it really is a bathroom. They're in this uh, room and they're like kind of washing the blood off their hands and stuff like that, washing up. Did you notice that there's like these containers of liquid on the shelf behind them? And there's, there's uh, I think a total of seven of them. There's three pink and one white and three orange. And the three pink and the one white are next to each other. And the orange ones are separated off on their own. And each of the... I did not notice that. Yeah. And each of the characters is Mr. White, Mr. Pink, and Mr. Orange. And Mr. Orange is the mole. And he's off on his own in the other room. While Mr. Pink and Mr. White are in the other... In this bathroom or whatever it is talking. And yeah, I mean... At that point... When they were in the room, now again, I'd seen this movie and I didn't, I didn't remember this. Uh, so at that point, when they're in that other room and they're talking about who the rat is, I was like, "It's Mr. Orange." I mean, it's, I think, and and I felt like it was obvious, but again, it may be because I'd seen this movie before and just didn't remember this. I felt like it was obvious. Okay, if there is a rat, it's either one of the people who isn't there, yeah, or you know, it's the guy who got shot because. He, it's a storytelling thing to have the guy who should survive get shot. Yeah, and that gets um, that gets pretty dark too with the whole how he got shot too, which you don't find out until later when they have a little flashback of him and Mister White escaping um, together, and. They go to well. First of all, Mr. White kills like what three cops, like a bunch of cops. Um, oh yeah. In front of him, Mr. Brown had just died, and uh, Mr. Orange is just like looking at him while Mr. White. Man, there's a lot of misters in this. Uh, and Mr. White is shooting these cops up. Keep in mind, Mr. Orange is a cop himself, an undercover cop, and he's just like having i guess he has to let this happen or maybe he's kind of in shock or whatever but they go to hijack a car from some woman the woman pulls a gun out of the glove compartment as mr orange opens the car like the driver door he gets shot in the stomach and shoots her at the same time so he's an undercover cop and he just shot a woman i mean you're led to believe that i mean he probably i mean maybe he killed her i don't you know well, and I think I think you can you can wish that away with self defense. Like she was trying to kill him, he self defense killed her first. Yeah. But yeah, you do instantly see his reaction. I don't think to being shot isn't to being shot. It's to just killing an innocent woman. Yeah, exactly. Um, and realizing now he's got blood on his hands. Literally, literally, and figuratively, yeah. I tried to. Yeah. And let's let's point out too that uh this is this character is played by Tim Roth, who is also in The Hateful Eight, um, which we reviewed, who also takes a gut uh, gut shot in that movie as well. 
and oh, and predicts that he's going to die as <laughs> as if as if he he's 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 oh, been through this before <laughs> that makes me want to go watch the other movie that he's in which i am looking up right now hold on pulp fiction ah he does he get it's no. been a long time since i've seen pulp fiction i don't even rem- i remember he's the Guy put your dinner. hands up this is a rubbery yeah yeah <laughs> Keep cool, honey bunny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, he doesn't he doesn't get a gut shot in that one. He ends up leaving. He gets away. Yeah, but uh but he could have very easily taken a bullet to the gut in that because he stumbled across Samuel L. Jackson, who is not a, a person to, to be trifled with. Right, uh, right. Especially oh, oh, we, we did it again. We got off uh we got off topic here. Yeah. Um, it, it, let's uh, steer it back. Steer it back to uh, the dogs at the reservoir. Um, and so, yeah. I, but I did find that pretty interesting, uh, comparing you know his character in Reservoir Dogs to the Hateful Eight and how they both took gut shots. I thought that was pretty pretty cool. Um, also, another thing that I noticed, um, and this is actually what led me to the whole like liquid in the bathroom thing I read about. But do you realize that they're in like a, a mortuary and that they have six coffins in the background? No, I didn't even see that. Yeah, or um, caskets. I didn't even coffins. I guess I didn't even realize where, where it was they were at. The only thing I kept seeing was in fr- on the door when they'd walk out and they come back in, the yeah. door said no parking and they kept parking right in front of it. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, because at one point Mr. Blonde is sitting on the back of a hearse. Um it has like some plastic on it or something but it's a hearse sitting there but there's these these caskets sitting straight up and down in the background all the time they're in this like uh, i mean at first it just looks like a warehouse but i guess it's a supposed to be a mortuary i I, I guess um like an old yeah i didn't even i didn't even realize that yeah and do you want to yeah you want to take a quick guess as to how many people die at the end so uh (laughs) i'm gonna go with six but (laughs) There, there was uh so did Mr. Pink die? That's my question. Mr. Mr. Pink. Um, no. Steve Buscemi. No, did no. He die. No, I think he got away. Um, if he did, so if he I did was die, thinking that same thing. Yeah, if he did die, he died off, offset. Uh, yeah. And, and so when in, they do the Mexican standoff, everybody gets shot. Talk about that in a second. Uh, Mr. Pink, Steve Buscemi runs out. And then you hear the cops and you hear yelling. And I can't remember if I heard gunshot or not. I kind of felt like I heard some pops in the background there. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like I felt like he got killed there as well. Mm. But it's off camera. Yeah. I don't I don't remember getting the feeling or, or thinking that he was killed. Um, I thought that he actually was the one who got away. Um, and I don't know if maybe there might be something deeper to that, um, that he's the reason mm-hmm. or he's the only person who survived. Um, I mean, you do see plenty of times in it where he's the one saying like, I'm the only professional here. Like you guys aren't being professional. Uh, you know, and then also he's the only one who, well, I don't know the only one, but, uh, he doesn't tell his name to anybody. Um, he doesn't, uh, like he sticks by the rules of like, uh, not saying his name he always goes by his alias mr pink uh he he did get the diamonds um whereas nobody else did 
he even hid them someplace so that he could uh, come back and get them, like, as long as he wasn't walking into a bunch of cops when he got to the safe house. He seems to be the one that was, like, had his head together, as the other ones were kind of crazy, especially Mr. Blonde. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, let's talk about, uh, oh, God, Mr. Blonde. Um, <laughs> so, uh, a couple things. Gosh, I got I got several things going to my head at once now. Now I'm pulling a U. Uh, <laughs> at one point, Mr. White says to, I believe, Mr. Blonde, piss on this fucking turd. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. And I'm just like, I'm just like, man, that's a great line. I'm writing it down. Um, so I lost what I was trying to say. Uh, uh. Well, well, while you're thinking of that, I will. Oh, 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 good. Oh yeah, go ahead. Um, go ahead. not to try and get you sidetracked on your thought here, but, uh, but did you, did you notice, okay, so there's, there's a, a few scenes, um, where they kind of have flashbacks to the, a, a few of the characters being recruited, right? Um, and mm-hmm. Mr. Blonde being one of them. Um, do you, re- do you remember his name by any chance? Uh, Vic Vega, maybe. Yeah. Does that name sound familiar to you? Um, because, because there's another character in Pulp Fiction named Vincent Vega. And, oh. and I wrote in my notes, Vic Vega, is this Vincent Vega's brother? Um, so I don't know. I don't know if that's intentional. I mean, Vega seems like such a, like, not that common of a name, especially in, in the U.S. Uh, so to have two characters in two different movies with the same last name, similar first names, Vic and Vincent, I was, you know, I was just kind of led to feel or just kind of felt like, wow, like, I feel like there's some kind of tie here. Um like, wouldn't it be interesting yeah. if these characters are actually brothers? And this this whole scenario takes place in the same world as Pulp Fiction, you know? You know, I had actually heard that, uh, that they were trying to do those correlations with some of Quentin Tarantino's movies and, mm-hmm. like, try to say that they were all connected or in the same universe. But yeah. uh, I think with some of his newer ones, it's a little harder to... Yeah. to say that because the time frame is just so far apart on them yeah that's true it's kind of hard to yeah i guess it would be kind of tough to tie the hateful eight into uh into right this unless unless i'll s- stick with me here unless Uh-oh. tim unless tim roth's character is reincarnated in the reservoir dogs movie and that's why he is forced to suffer another gut shot um all right maybe and uh just like in the hateful eight where he he just can't help but tell who he is um because at the end of the movie this is the thing i was going to bring up here is why tell mr white that you're a cop yeah i know yeah um i think he felt like really guilty about I mean, well, you kind of get the impression that he 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 has a problem with getting attached to some of the criminals. Uh, like, there's a scene yeah. earlier where he's uh, speaking to, um, I guess his his contact 
with the police force. Um, and he mentions that they got some information from some criminal and that, yeah, he's, he is, he's not a bad guy. Like, uh, he did some good work on that. And the guy's like, you know, whoa, hey, slow down. Like, this guy's a scumbag. The only reason he's rolling and giving us this information is to save his own ass. So you put him out of your mind. Like, don't be thinking of him as he's not your friend or anything. Um, right. I don't know if he uses those exact words, but, uh, but that's kind of what's implied. And you kind of see that there's a relationship built between uh, Tim Roth's character and um, Harvey Keitel. That's who uh, Mr. White is. Um, between those two characters, through them like staking out the place and uh, well, just kind of cho- talking, and then him bleeding and dying in the backseat of the car with him. Um, right. And and Mr. White like protects him. Uh, I mean, at the end, the guy who hired them all is saying this guy's the mole. Uh, he's the only person out of all of you that I wasn't certain about. It has to be him. I'm going to put a bullet in him. And Mr. White is standing up for him and ends up getting shot because of it. And not just shot. He's going to Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, see, that's the, the part of the movie where I was also a little bit off. So he, so Tim Roth does tell him, which I think he had nothing to gain at that point aside from, yeah, maybe clearing his conscience because he knew he was about to die. Yeah, he's going to die. But why did Mr. White stand up to, by all accounts, a friend of his who is just about to kill this dude who's already dying? Why start that whole thing? Like, yeah. he No other place in the movie did it seem like he had any problem with killing anyone else. Yeah. I, I think that, I think it's like, maybe there's some sort of honor behind, like, uh, how, how, to, how to word this? Um, like Mr. White's character is one of, like he has, he has a code. Like he has like his own, his own honor, we'll he, say. He even said that he was kind of like, responsible for Mr. Orange getting shot. And yeah. I don't see that either. Yeah. Um, I think because I, I think it could have very, I think that his thinking was, is it could have been very easily me that got shot. I could have been the one grabbing the door to drive. And I don't know. Did he tell him to take the car to drive? I mean, they I jumped out in front that. of it. Yeah. But I, yeah, I don't remember who if, said, or if he said that for him to drive or not. Yeah, I don't remember either. If he did, then that would make, I mean, that would probably make him feel a bit more like, oh, shit, I told him to go get in the driver's seat, and he got shot because of it. Um, but yeah. even if he didn't, I think maybe he see, he sees it as, um, well, I mean, it could have been him. And instead, this kid ended up taking the bullet. Uh, and maybe there's some guilt about that. But I don't know. Uh, I, I think it is. I think it is strange that Joe, the guy who hired them all, you can tell there's a friendship between them, and yeah, he ends up uh, standing up to him and shooting him uh, to protect this kid, right? Uh, Tim Roth's character. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it is a little crazy, um, but I don't think it's any more crazy than the fact that Joe went there in person to take care of all this shit, knowing or believing that there's a mole and he still went there and he's the yeah. boss. Like you think he would be like, 
and well, they even said it earlier in the movie, like he's probably trying to separate himself as far as he can from us since this went sideways. And you think like, yeah, that's exactly what he should be doing. (laughs) And why show up there? If you think he's the mole, you think he's a cop. Why show up there and shoot him? Yeah. Or sending his kid first because his kid goes there, Eddie. Um, So not only him, but his son is there. It just seems a little too like, oh, well, this guy's not much of a mastermind if he's going there in person to do this. Right. Well, uh, one (laughs) other thing that I wanted to point out, aside from the music being great in this movie, um, they did the Ooga Chaka, Ooga Chaka part. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Love that song. Um. I wanted to point out, too, that, you know, we watched a superhero movie before this, or we talked about this superhero movie before this, and there in the background, when Tim Roth is, like, practicing being a criminal, you see a, uh, like, a little comic book on the wall for the Silver Surfer. Oh, did you notice at one point, and I can't remember who it was, I want to say it was, uh, I want to say it was Mr. Pink who said this, at one point he says, yeah, the other day while I was trying to watch The Lost Boys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, was it Mr. Pink? I can't remember who said it. I just yeah, remember I wrote did. it down. Oh, wait. Okay, so it was when I wrote down Mr. Blonde is nuts, which is the point where Mr. Blonde was alone. So it must maybe it was Mr. Blonde who said it. Mm, I feel like it was in a flashback, though. Huh. Yeah. I Maybe. So. I don't remember. Um, but uh, but also I want to point out that, you know, they had the Silver Surfer in the background while he's doing, like he's learning his part, like how to be this criminal for this group. And if you know anything about the Silver Surfer, you know that he was serving the enemy and he turns on him and becomes a traitor to work against Galactus. So just another little bit of information about him being a... Uh, not who he says he is. He's turning a little bit of people. foreshadowing there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then he shoots Mister Blonde. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and thank God, I think uh, when you're watching that, you're like hoping something happens to this guy because he's supposed to be a terrible person. Yeah, I mean, it's just like he says, "I'm not torturing you to get information. Mm-hmm. I'm torturing you because I like it." Yeah. <laughs> Because it's fun. I enjoy it. But then there really wasn't a whole lot in the way of torture. I mean, he cut the dude's ear off, went got a, a gas can, was getting ready to set him on fire. There wasn't a whole lot of torture there. Yeah. Yeah. I did enjoy the scene where he's complaining. The cop is complaining to uh, Mr. Orange about like, oh, he maimed me. He, he just figured me, cut my damn ear off. And <laughs> Mr. Mr. Orange is like, I'm dying shut up i got shot in the stomach i'm bleeding to death what are you complaining yeah. about <laughs> they're waiting to come here for the the big guy not to save one of us yeah that's pretty dark um that they're just willing to let them die in there uh but also i Which thought it's funny because you if you think about it they weren't willing to let civilians die because they said as soon as they hit the, uh, the, I don't know, the, the silent alarm or whatever, the sh- cops were there. But at one point, Mr. Pink says, no, they were already there. They just didn't do anything until 
uh, he started shooting uh, until Mr. Blonde started shooting the people who hit the alarm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. So, I mean, I think it kind of implies that they were they were probably planning just to, like, let them rob the place and just follow them back to the hideout and, and like, wait for... Um, just wait for that Joda guy to show up to get the, to get their loot and then just bust them all right then. Yeah. Um, But Mr. Blonde decided to just start killing innocent people. mm -hmm. And that's what set this whole thing up. Yeah. Cause he's a psychopath. Any other points you want to touch on or do we want to go ahead and rate it? Um, I think, I think that, uh, I think that's it for me. Okay. What do you, uh, what do you think? One to five. I'm going to give this thing a 4.5. 4.5. Yeah. yeah, I think I was going to go about about a 4.2. So, uh, yeah, still still really good movie. The characterization is amazing. The, you know, it's it's great that you see the entire story without being shown the entire story, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. You mean like what's what's also happened uh, at, at the the heist during the heist? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. never see the heist. You see people running away from it, getting away from it. You never actually see what happened there. Yeah, yeah, but they definitely do a good job of describing what happened and kind of the chaos of it. Um, right. And what happened to some of the people, I mean, some of the people, you don't see what happened to them. Uh, like Mr. Blue, right? right? Uh, I don't think it, you, you ever see what happens to him. Mr. Brown, you... Uh, so. Yeah, you see, uh, I guess when Joe shows up later, he said Mr. Blue was dead, but that was it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, they did a great job. Great storytelling. Um, and, yeah, also to, to let you know, I mean, I think I mentioned this, and I know you said you'd seen it before. I'd seen it before as well. I did not remember that it was, like, how good it was. Uh, like, I remembered that it was a good movie, but it wasn't until I was yeah. watching it again that I was like, oh, damn, like, Jeez, I forgot it was this good. This is a solid movie. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah I agree. Yeah, very well done. Very good movie. Okay. Um, well, want to go with the outro? Yeah, one more thing I just want to touch on. Uh, question for you, Jason. The scene where they're all leaving the, uh, like towards the beginning, I think it's when the intro credits are rolling, and they're walking kind of in slow motion outside in all their suits and stuff. Did you kind of mm-hmm. feel like you had a flashback to some guys playing football in a parking lot with suits on? <laughs> oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's uh, For some reason, that popped into my head as soon as I saw that. And I was like, oh, wow, full circle. All right. Bringing it back to the room. Uh, yeah, but yeah, that's it. I think that's, that's the last I want to say about that. Okay, well, uh, let's talk about next time we are watching um, Aliens, which mm-hmm. is rated R, and I believe, what would we say? Gosh, I, I normally have these open. Uh, 1986, 1986 yeah. uh, rated R, and we are also watching Predator, uh, which is not, not the Predator. Come on, IMDb. Not yeah. the one that's coming out this year. Yeah. So did, uh, 1987 rated R. Yeah. Uh, both of them were suggested by Andrew on Facebook uh, to kind of go together. So mm-hmm. we're going to do them together. Yeah. So to be clear, we're watching Aliens, plural, but only one of them's a predator. <laughs> yeah, we're not watching Aliens and Predators. Yeah. Uh, that would be 
a different movie. Um, this is this is getting confusing. <laughs> so, in summation, we are watching Aliens, which is the second Alien movie, and we are watching Predator, which is the first ever Predator movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger. There we go. Now it's clear. All right. Clear as mud. Clear as the mud that Arnold Schwarzenegger smears all of his body to hide from the Predator. I mean, yeah. And if it's not clear, go ahead and watch every <laughs> Alien movie and every Predator movie. And no, please don't do that. Some yeah. of them are awful. Yeah. But if you don't know what I was just talking about there, it probably means that you need to watch that movie, Predator, um, before we review it next week. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Are, I mean, just watch it. Yeah. That's all there is. Just look at it. Um, <laughs> so is there anything else? Uh, anything else? Any updates? Anything we want to say before? We let these folks be. Um, no, no, I think uh, I think we're good. Cool. All right. Well, um, as we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, you can check us out on our Facebook page. You can also send us in your requests or any um, reviews that you've done over the movies that we're watching uh, to abbottburnsmovies at gmail dot com uh, and. You know, as we mentioned before, we had Nick on the show uh, talking about the movies that he suggested. Um, maybe if you want to send us some reviews, maybe we can have those reviews on the show. Or maybe if you're, uh, you know, uh, very outgoing, uh, maybe we can get some other people on the show, too. Um, I don't know what I mean by outgoing. I don't know what that means. But uh, if you don't if you don't like getting recorded and played for all eternity on the Internet. That's what he means by outgoing. Yeah, yeah. If you're okay with that, um, then yeah, reach out to us. Let us let us know what movies you know you want to talk about, um, and we can make it happen, possibly. And also, um, I think that's it. Uh, I don't think there's anything else um, to say other than thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Yep. Have a good week. Later.